Uh, I honestly think I'm just the luckiest girl. Um, I get to work in a job that I absolutely adore and I get to make people happy through my job. Um, I, I couldn't ask for anything else. <laughs> this is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. The hospitality sector is full of micro-businesses, from corner stores to cafes, restaurants, and of course, the often forgotten caterers too. This special niche allows operators to run their own show and cater for all manner of events, big or small. But what does it take to tailor events and maintain your voice while pleasing clients too? Claire Hammond is the owner of Chef by the Sea in Avalon, New South Wales. Claire, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Huck? Good. It's good to get you on the show. You've got a dynamic food business on the northern beaches of Sydney. Tell us a little bit about it. Um, Chef by the Sea uh, started 10 years ago, officially. Um, I don't really <laughs> travel very far. I um, work locally and um, cook celebration food for people, really. Um, birthdays, engagements, weddings, anniversaries, um, and the occasional corporate job. And um, I love it. I, I love helping people make memories and giving them time to enjoy their parties. What's it like sort of striking that balance to cater for such different events um, and keep your, your own creative juices flowing, but please clients as well? Hmm... Um, practice, I guess. <laughs> um, repetition, um, finding out what I like to do, but also what other people like um, from that, I guess. Just refining, um, learning and keeping going and pivoting and, yeah. You mentioned it's been about uh, 10 years and I, I want to dive into the story of um, Chef by the Sea, but I think it starts way before that, take, take us back to when you were young um, and tell us about the food that, uh, the role that food played in your family. Um, we all love eating. <laughs> uh, it was more, um, what's the thing? We, we live to eat, not eat to live. Um, <laughs> so um, food, my mum was amazing at throwing parties for kids, Halloween, Easter, Christmas, birthdays. So I guess um, that's one way that I associate food with celebration and good times. Um, and then every Sunday we would have um, lunch with my dad's mum. Uh, she grew a lot of her vegetables and fruit as well. And, and looking back on that garden now, it's just amazing that I had that experience as a kid. Um and they're fond memories when you're kind of, you're the little kid at the centre of attention at the um, Sunday lunch table. So I think maybe those two things in hindsight um, were where it kind of began, but I never really realised until much later how much I loved food. Take us back to when you were young uh, and the food from the garden and your, and your grandparents. Um, do you have any sort of stories of feasts or dishes um, that you had? Um, beans. My grandma's <laughs> freezer would always be full of beans. It was incredible. And she would have these amazing bamboo structures with just um, 
beans and beans and then she'd pick them and trim them and freeze them and um oh apples she had apple trees and so every autumn we would pick all the apples and we'd put them into cardboard boxes and each layer we'd separate with newspaper and we'd have these apples in the um the garage because they would just stay fresh um the apple pies, I just remember her pastry being the best pastry and we'd have cream, custard and ice cream with these apple pies. <laughs> um, apple crumbles. Um, my digging potatoes up in the garden with my grandpa and, and gooseberry bushes, like you don't see those here in Australia. Um, raspberry bushes, red currants, strawberries, marrows, another thing you don't really get here. Um yeah, just everything. It was amazing. And the biggest sage bush you could ever imagine with all these bees around it. And, um, yeah, just very happy. You mentioned a career as a chef didn't come till much later in life. You went to university. What sort of thread did food play through that time in university? Um, so I went to do English. Food was never on the radar. Um, but I went off with um, – a frying pan and a saucepan and <laughs> and bought myself a good knife. Um, I just, no one told me to do that. I just, it was instinctual. And, and then I just started cooking. I would never make soup for one night. I'd always make two liters of it or something and then freeze it into plastic containers. Again, like that was not something my mum did at home. So I have no idea where that came from or why I started doing that. I just did. Um, and I would always cook for others. Um, I, uh, maybe that was because of the childhood parties. I don't know. But I'd always cook for people before we went out for the night, <laughs> as you do when you're a student. Um, yeah, so it just I, I just did it. And I don't know why. I don't know where it came from exactly. Tell us when you first sort of made that step into cooking um, for, for more people than, than yourself and uh, got a foot in the industry as such? Um, so I finished university, had no idea what I was going to do. I thought I'd go into marketing. That seemed sensible. Um, nothing that I was passionate about. So I just thought, oh, well, I'll go do a ski season because lots of people seem to do that and maybe I can just have time to think about it. And um, I was went to France and um, – had a chalet cooking for 12 guests, breakfast and dinner. Um, and it just seemed like the most natural thing in the world to me. I wasn't phased by it. I would always try new recipes. Um, and one of my guests said to me, you know, you can do this in the summer as well. And I was like, what? <laughs> Tell me more. Um, and she explained to me that I could join a cooking agency in Scotland and then work for people in ancestral well, um, like ancestral homes, holiday homes, and um, for people who would go deer stalking and um, grouse shooting, that kind of game cookery. And um, I was like, okay, sign me up. <laughs> and um, so that's what I did for three years. I did ski seasons and then um, – Scottish summer seasons. Wow. Do you have any stories of, um, of those adventures and the sort of things you were cooking? Um, I remember one of the very first jobs I had and I was given this beautiful wild salmon that had just been caught and they were like, oh, please, could you gut that and prepare that for dinner? And I was like, sure. I had no idea. Um, and so I phoned a boyfriend at the time and 
because he was a keen fisherman. I was like, oh, please, could you just run me through how to um, gut a fish? <laughs> so I'm on the phone with this beautiful salmon and, yeah, somehow I nailed it. <laughs> I don't know. I filleted it and um, had my tweezers and pulled all the bones out and um, prepared it for dinner that night and um, it was good. <laughs> Was there a moment when um, you felt quite confident with your cooking and it sort of things started to change? To this day, I still don't feel confident. <laughs> um, but I think that's what keeps me striving to keep trying and experimenting and to never take anything for granted. Um, I guess in terms of game cookery, yes, I did get more confident because I started to understand flavours and techniques and... Um, um, how to fillet things. <laughs> um, so, yes, yeah, learning, um, confidence. I don't know. I guess it does. I'm very confident with timing. Um, I'm very confident with quantities, but I always, um, I don't need reassurance in that I want the praise, but I just, um, I just like to know that it's okay and people have enjoyed it, that they've, yeah, they've got enjoyment from it. The UK has extraordinary um, game birds and game meat. Is there any particular one that you um, that you have found great joy in cooking? Venison, actually. Um, yeah, it's a beautiful meat. And whenever I can find it here, I always buy it. Um, the flavours, the blackberries, juniper. Um, we, I used to cook it in Argus because a lot of the homes that I would work in, that's what they would have is their... Um, cooking heat sauce in the kitchen and um, it's a very very different way of cooking um, but I enjoyed that so much um, the agar the haunch of venison um, making the gravy all the fruits because at that time of year would be autumn September um, yeah it's delicious <laughs> <laughs> what led to a move to Australia um, I wanted to work in bigger kitchens, commercial kitchens, and I had heard that Australia had a really good um, Asian food scene and I also wanted to learn to surf, so it seemed like a good idea. <laughs> well, tell us about those first couple of years. Where, where did you sort of apply your craft in, in Australia? Um, first of all was a cafe in Manly, which I now realise that every single morning I would cook for the Manly swimmers, the bold and beautiful. <laughs> um Okay, yeah, um, that was a baptism by fire because I'd never really done that fast-paced um, to order cooking and 7 o'clock I'd be getting um, multiple, well, eggs every which way and it was just, yeah, it was sink or swim. <clears throat> so I did that um, and then I wanted to go on to more fine dining work so I got a job at um, Palu at Freshwater. Um Again, another baptism by fire. Um, <laughs> I just, I had no idea about kitchen hierarchy and um, the expectations of a hatted restaurant. And um, it was, you had to learn. You learned or you went home. And I stuck it out. And I'm very glad I did because I, I learned so much as well. Do you have any stories of what it was like working with Giovanni Pillow and what you took from that time? I think my favourite part of working for Giovanni was um, 
he really treats his staff like family. So we always had lunch and we always had dinner and we always sat down around a table and it was a really important time. Um, and I know a lot of um, chefs, it, we, we don't eat, we don't um, place time, like emphasis on taking that time, but it was important to him that we do that. Um, so that was really nice. Uh, I remember going to the markets with him um, that was really lovely meeting growers and um, seeing how he chose his produce. Um, <laughs> Marons, uh, crawling around the cool room. <laughs> um, and just how, yeah, the passionate Italian in him. <laughs> um, it was hard work. Um but I'm very, very glad that I did it and I'm very grateful to him for giving me the opportunity. Jamie Cow, which is a fantastic name, was your first foray into owning a, a food business. Uh, tell us how that came about and, and what it was like. Um, so ever since I started the ski seasons, I thought to myself, I actually want to own my own business, um, but just never really knew how that would come about. And uh, so I was working at Palu and my husband said, you know, you can stay working at Palu or you can get your own business. And I was like, I'm not ready. I need to learn to cook more. And he's like, no, you can cook, but you need to learn about business to own a business. And the only way you're going to do that is to get a business. And so he, he was very encouraging, very supportive. Um, I was like, okay, I'm just going to take the leap of faith. And I said to Giovanni, um, I'm, I'm going to leave. Um, I'm handing him my notice because I'm going to open a cafe. And he's like, oh, really? Where? And I said, I, I, don't, I don't have the business yet, but I just I need to leave this job so that I can look for a business in earnest. And he's like, okay, whatever. Um, and I think it, it was the next day or the second day after that, I was walking down a, um, a street in Monavale and there was an advert in a cafe window for Chef Wanted for eight weeks. And I was like, oh, well, that's brilliant. That will just give me some income while I look for this business and it's not a permanent role. Anyway, it turns out that that business was for sale and it was the business that I ended up buying that became Jammy Cow. <laughs> so, yeah, that's how it happened. <laughs> you, um, you had the business for five years. Tell us about what you were, were cooking. Oh, my gosh. Um, it, lots of sandwiches. Um, it was, it's like it was a cafe where people who worked in the area would come to take things away for lunch. So it was kind of portable single serve food. So there were a lot of sandwiches and wraps. Um, but then we also did the famous all beef sausage rolls, which my husband still wants me to make to this day. <laughs> um, we invented the hippie roll, which was um, a buckwheat pastry with a uh, ricotta and pumpkin um, filling. Um uh, what else did we do? And we did. We had this beautiful display um, of cakes on all different types of stands, and they were all homemade. And that was that was very beautiful. That was quite creative, and it just looked lovely. And um, it was all made there. Um, that's what we did every day. But I guess there was not that much room for creativity because we had to produce the same thing day in day out. 
you had yearnings to open your own business. What, what surprised you about it once you got it up and running? Um, I, I say, <laughs> my husband, I think he would divorce me if I ever did it again. <laughs> it was just so hard emotionally, not the hard work. I'm fine with the hard work, but emotionally it was just so tough. Um, staff calling in sick, things breaking and then not having the extra cash to get them fixed. Um, just those two factors were really hard. Um, and just always having to think on your feet to come up with a way to solve problems. Um, it was, it, yeah, it was emotionally very hard. Um, I, again, learned so much in those five years. And I could never have gone to university or done a course to learn what I learned. It was just, I had to, I had, to, it was a rite of passage, I guess. I had to do that job to learn those things about people, about staff, about management. Um, yeah, I just don't think I would do it again. <laughs> Hats off to any cafe owners. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do during that period of time to sort of help you deal with the stress of, of running a small business? I think I was just immersed in it. I, I didn't do anything. Um, I didn't, honestly. I, I, I just worked six and a half days a week. Um, <laughs> ironically, I probably um, went out and to farmer's markets and bought nice food or went to restaurants and had nice dinners. So it was anything that was to get away from it was still involved in food. <laughs> uh, a, few, a few years later, you opened Chef by the Sea. Tell, tell us how that came about. Um. It was tough making an income for the cafe. So in, I think in the last year of running it, I thought, oh, well, you know, I can cater during the Christmas period as well. Um, so I sent some flyers out in the local area um, just saying, seeing if anyone wanted Christmas catering. And that was really how Chef by the Sea was born. So when I sold the cafe, I, I, it just continued. It was a natural progression of what I'd already started. Um, and it was going back to what I had already done in um, Scotland, which was the freelance cooking there. Are there any sort of events um, that you've done um, that you can share with us that really sort of epitomise what you do? Mm, I think there's two favourites. Um, one was at the Little Black Shack, uh, which is this cute little um, black shack, <laughs> two bedrooms um, on Mackerel Beach, so accessible only by water. Um, and a couple were getting married there and they wanted me to do the catering. Um, there's a wood fire oven outside and they wanted all the cooking to be done in that oven. And I was like, yes, please, I would love to do that. <laughs> um so, yeah, I designed this menu that was completely cooked in the wood fire oven and served it for them and their 16 guests. And that, yeah, it was such a special, memorable day. And to be there cooking in that oven in that space was, it was a lot of fun and they really enjoyed the food. So I couldn't ask for more. Um, and I think the second event would be the biggest one I've done, which was for 180 people at Bill Gola Surf Club. Um we had to style the the surf club and then um, feed all those people. And it, it was just so much fun. <laughs> I 
<laughs> people would be like, what are you talking about? I don't like it when five of my friends come over. Um, <clears throat> but just to be, I, I planned it and I was organized and it, it went really smoothly. So I was, I was very proud and it was a lot of fun to, to pull that off. That's a lot of people to cook for. What's your approach and, and how do you make a day like that successful? Um, planning. I think lists, um, ticking jobs off, um, just making sure you're organised. Uh, if anything does go wrong or if I think of something I need to change, then I try to make a note of it and change it for the next job, if that makes sense. Um so I have an emergency box of everything that I can think of that I might ever need. Um, that always gets added to. Um, I don't know, and just thinking on your feet and also just being relaxed. And um, people sometimes comment that I'm too calm. They're, why are you not stressed? <laughs> um, unflappable was a comment that someone made. And I just think I, I, I stay calm and think problems through and there's usually always a solution. Tell us a little bit about your cooking philosophy. Is there any um, dishes or ingredients that you like to work with that sort of speak of what you do? I think my favourite meal to cook and also to to, to cook for my family um, as well as anybody else is is roast chicken, roast potatoes, roast carrots and broccoli. (laughs) It's it's simple, yes, but it's it's always so delicious. I think the only thing I really do is put two lemons inside the chicken and then make gravy with that after. Um, and it's got to be duck fat for the roast potatoes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we always overeat that dinner. Um, and why is it philosophy? Um, because it's simple and it's wholesome and it's family-centered and if there's leftovers, they can be made into a chicken pie and um, – I find it a really easy meal to cook. Um, so fam- family, help yourself. You went from running a, a small business uh, cafe to running a small business caterer. Uh, h- how different are they to operate and, w- and what sort of freedom has Chef by the Sea given you? Definitely more creativity um, to use... Um, to use different ingredients to the way that I can present things. Um, people can ask me for someone once asked me for a vegan Mexican menu and I honestly just sat there researching and I, I adore coming up with menus. It's one of my favorite things. And um, so that's always fun when someone gives me a theme Um Oh my gosh, I, I probably have 250 cookbooks um, <laughs> and I just love looking through them to find different salads that could work or um, things that I can add to the menu. Um, so I guess that that's, like I said, it was always the sandwiches and the same food every day. So even though I'd come up with them, we were still doing it day in, day out, whereas this way I can cook things differently each week um because the events are always different and the clients are mostly different the world of catering got impacted um dramatically as did the food service sector by covid what sort of impact has the last couple of years had on you 
Um, it was really, really sad. Um, it made me examine a lot about myself and why I do what I do. Um, I get a lot of joy from cooking for people and there were no events. And if there were events, it was two people celebrating a wedding anniversary, for example, and they, they got married in Greece. And so they wanted me to cook dinner for them and a Greek menu, um, which is lovely. And of course I said, yes, but it's two people. <laughs> and, um, that was what I was getting or six people because the wedding had been postponed. So, um, they were still going to have a celebratory dinner together. Um, but now, uh, it's 75, a hundred, 120. And it's, it, it's fun. Um, I'm really happy to be working. Um, but yeah, it was, it, it, it took me to some dark places because I had to really ask myself some questions about why I was doing what I was doing and it, without it, who was I? Um, but I feel like having asked those questions, I now have a clearer understanding of why I'm doing what I'm doing and why I love it so much. So it was it, it was a good thing to happen, but it was pretty crappy at the time. Are you approaching things differently as a result of the last couple of years? <sighs> I think maybe I'm more certain of what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Um, and yes, I do have some changes in mind that I'd like to make. Um, I guess I just need that downtime to work on the business not in it <laughs> how has uh, chef by the sea changed your life <laughs> i think that's quite emotional <laughs> um I, I honestly think i'm just the luckiest girl um i get to work in a job that i absolutely adore i get the flexibility to drop my kids off and pick them up from school um i can book weekends off to go away with friends if I need to and I get to make people happy through my job um I, I couldn't ask for anything else <laughs> well you've got a very busy period uh, coming up what, what are your plans over the next couple of years mm. oh my gosh <laughs> so many um I have so many ideas um I would like to do more retreats um which I was calling cooking therapy retreats. Um, essentially to, um, to facilitate cooking, to empower people to feel like they can cook and to show them the joy that there is in cooking as well as eating and sharing food around a table with others. So um, that was my cooking retreats that I would like to explore more of Um whether weekends or days. Um, I have an idea for a book. I'm not exactly sure how to get that started, but I will <laughs> when I have time. Um, and I've got some ideas for um, instructional videos that I would like to make as well to put on my website to make um, – if people can't come to retreats, then at least I can share my knowledge with them through – um, accessible online ways. 
these cooking retreats that you've been doing and uh, planning to do much more of, what's the response been like? Do you have any stories of the impact that they have on people? I was blown away. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I was completely blown away with people's um, reception of them. They they loved them. Um, Empowering, inspiring, delicious, relaxing, joyful. These were all words that people used. um, Best weekend in a long time. Um, It was beautiful and it all i was doing was just what i do every day the dog sounds like he loves them too well uh claire um it's an absolute honor to have you on deep in the weeds today to hear your story good luck with everything with uh, chef by the sea and um stay in touch we'll uh, catch up again soon thanks so much for today Huck. lovely to talk to you this is the deep in the weeds podcast i'm anthony huckstep Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.